a, a nice eclectic mix of uh, music from uh, around the globe. And Good morning, it's George for uh, G Money. something a little different and that is to play um, the radio version that I've been listening to for a while or been talking about for a while excuse me and um, I think it'd be really fun so just uh, one second we're gonna kick out the music and we'll get this thing started How do you feel? I want to realize women they were I feel in me Casablanca with Edgar Barrier. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Uh, greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. One bright January morning, <clears throat> just a year ago, the city of Casablanca in French Morocco woke up and found itself famous. It had entertained many mysterious visitors from a world at war. But never before, the President of the United States and the Prime Minister of Great Britain. Within a few days, Warner Brothers had rushed their screen drama, Casablanca, to the theaters of the nation. And people marveled at a Hollywood miracle. Actually, of course, the picture had been planned and filmed during the months previous. Because Casablanca had an exciting story to tell even before the President and Prime Minister arrived. It's a story of love and hate in a background of adventure and sudden death. Tonight we bring you that drama, 
with a cast that producers dream about. Hedy Lamar and Alan Ladd and John Loder. Hedy came back to town last week from Texas with the applause of the soldiers at Camp Hood still ringing in her ears. And so we borrowed her from Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, where she's just completed the picture, Heavenly Body. Alan Ladd, of course, came to us from Paramount. I'm hoping to have Alan for my next picture, following the story of Dr. Wassell. Getting these players together in one drama is a talent scoop of the first magnitude in Hollywood, and it's unlikely that it would ever happen in a picture, because our stars are under contract at different studios, and are kept so busy on their home lots that they aren't loaned out, as the phrase goes. We really should thank Lux Toilet Soap for making this occasion possible. Every bit of work and artistry that has gone into our production, from the first word of the script on paper to the final dress rehearsal, has been designed for your enjoyment. We might call it a bonus that you get when you buy Lux Toilet Soap, above and beyond the bonus of beauty that you expect. And we'll pay that bonus right now, as the curtain rises on the first act of Casablanca. Starring Alan Ladd as Rick, Hedy Lamar as Ilsa Lund, and John Loder as Victor Laszlo, with Edgar Barrier as Renault. Everyone knows that name today, Casablanca. Before the war, Casablanca was just another small seaport, with its face to the Mediterranean and its back to the North Atlantic. But then... As the Nazi lash descended upon Europe, hordes of refugees, like the boiling waters of a burst dam, flooded into the sanctuary of its white walls. Those with money enough, or influence enough, obtained exit visas, bearing the seal of the Vichy government, and fled to Lisbon, and from Lisbon to the Americas. The others just waited, and waited. But all who came to Casablanca were not refugees. The German intelligence was always there when anything unusual occurred. As, for example, the murder of two Nazi couriers. Major Stresser, may I present Captain Reno, police prefect of Casablanca. Unoccupied France welcomes you, Major. Thank you. You may find the climate of Casablanca a trifle warm. We Germans must get used to all climates, Captain, from Russian to the Sahara. But perhaps you were not referring to the weather. Oh, what else, my dear Major? The murder of the couriers. What has been done about it? Uh, Captain Reno already knows who the murderer is. Excellent. He is in custody? There is no hurry. Tonight, he will come to Rick's. Uh, that cafe, Major, I pointed it out to you. Everybody in Casablanca comes to Rick's, but this one will not leave. Frankly, Captain, I did not journey here simply to find an assassin. The real reason for my visit is Victor Laszlo. I thought as much. Has he arrived yet? Yes, this afternoon, with a very beautiful young woman. I met them. Reno? Laszlo must not leave Casablanca. I have learned that he is prepared to offer a fabulous bribe for a visa to Lisbon. I am prepared to refuse it. Where is he staying, you know? Major, I even know the time he intends to bathe. I would like to talk with Laszlo. Can it be arranged? Undoubtedly, he too will be at Rick's tonight. Everybody comes to Rick's? Uh, or did I mention that before? Yes, Mr. I reserved a table. Victor Laszlo. Yes, Mr. Laszlo, just one moment, please. Victor, are you sure we should have come here? So in public? There's often the greatest safety in what appears to be a risk. I see no one here who forgot his description. Neither do I. You'll be here, though. Excuse me. I have a ring here. What? A ring. I'm forced to sell it at a great sacrifice. Well, I hardly think that Perhaps I... the lady. The ring is quite unique. 
you see? That's it, Victor. Yes, it's a very interesting ring. What's your name? Berger, monsieur. I recognize you from the newspaper photographs. We've read five times that you were killed in five different places. As you see, five different places. As you can see, it's true each time. Thank heaven we found you, Berger. I'm looking for a man by the name of Ugarte. He's supposed to help us. He's here somewhere. You'll need all the help you can get. Yes, this time they mean to stop me. Oh, I'm so afraid for you, Victor. We've been in difficult places before. Why? We're just coming back. That's all, Berger. Meet us at the bar later. Oh, I don't think we want to buy the ring, but uh, thank you for showing it to us. Yeah? It's France, Rick. France Ugarte. Come in. Hi, what do you want? Oh, nothing much, Rick. Uh, too bad about the German couriers, eh? Well, they got a break. Yesterday, they were just two clerks. Today, they're among the honored dead. You, you will forgive me for saying this, Rick, but you are a very cynical person. I forgive you. <laughs> you. You despise me, don't you? Well, if I gave you any thought, I probably would. But think of the poor refugees who must rot in Casablanca if I did not help them. Is it so bad that through ways of my own I provide them with exit visas? For a price, Ducati, for a price. Oh, those poor wretches who cannot meet Renault's price, I, I get it for them at half. Is that so parasitic? Well, I don't mind a parasite. I just object to a cut-rate one. <laughs> well, after tonight I'm through with the whole business. I, I'm leaving Casablanca. Rick, look. What? Look, Rick, look. Do you know what these papers are? Letters of transit signed by Marshal Vagon. With his signature, they cannot be rescinded or questioned. Not even by Renault. So? So I'm selling these for more money than I ever dreamed of. And then, goodbye. What are you trying to say, Ugarte? <laughs> Rick, I have many friends in Casablanca. But because you despise me, you are the only one I trust. Would you keep these letters for me? How long? Mm, for an hour, perhaps, till my client arrives. Okay. But I don't want them here overnight. Oh, thank you, thank you. No fear of that. Uh, now, Rick, I hope you are more impressed with me. I'll go to share my luck now with your roulette wheel. Hey, wait a minute. Yes? I heard a rumor that those Nazi couriers were carrying letters of transit. No. Yes, poor devils. I... I heard that rumor, too. You're right, Ugarty. I am a little more impressed with you. Hello, Renault. Hear that plane, Ricky? It's going to Lisbon. You'd like to be on it? Why, what's in Lisbon? The clipper that goes to America. Rick, I have often speculated on why you do not return to America. There's a roulette table inside for people who like to speculate. Yes. I noticed Ugarte just went in. Yes, you'll come out poor. What was it, Rick? Whatever brought you to Casablanca? Did you abscond with the church funds back home? Did you run off with somebody's wife? I should like to think that you killed a man. He's the romantic in me. Well, I'll tell you. It was a combination of all three. Someday I'll find out. Oh, Rick, before you came, I took the liberty of escorting a visitor to your best table, a German, Major Strasser. I wanted him to be on hand for the excitement, because tonight we're making an arrest here. Again? This time a murderer. Please don't warn him, Rick. Now, look, I stick my neck out for nobody. But I'm staging the arrest here out of my high regard for you. It'll interest the customers. 
And perhaps Major Strasser. Perhaps. Cassell. Yes, Captain. You will find Franz Ugarte inside at the roulette table. Yes. Arrest him for the murder of the German couriers. Yes, Captain. Or he'll be carrying some letters of transit. Be sure you get them. Yes. Louis, there's more than Ugarte on your mind tonight. Oh, you're very observant, Rick. There are many exit visas sold in this cafe, but we know that you have never sold them. That is why I permit you to remain open. No, I thought it was because I let you win a roulette. Oh, that's another reason. Rick, a man arrived today in Casablanca on his way to America. Right now he's at the bar. He will offer a fortune to anyone who will furnish him with an exit visa. What man? Victor Laszlo. Why, Ricky, this is the first time I've ever seen you so interested. Laszlo has succeeded in interesting half the world. I wonder how he'll manage it. Manage what? His escape. He escaped from a concentration camp, and the Nazis have chased him all over Europe. But this is the end of the chase, Rick. Ten thousand francs says it isn't. Make it five thousand. I'm only a poor, corrupt official. No, no matter how clever he is, he still needs an exit visa. I should say two. He's traveling with a lady. He'll settle for one. Oh, I think not. I have seen the lady. Now, where did you get the idea that I might help Laszlo? Because I know all about you, Ricky. Enough at least to know you're more a sentimentalist than a cynic. I know that in 1935 you ran guns into Ethiopia. I know that in 1936 you risked your neck with the loyalists in Spain. And got well paid on both occasions. The winning side would have paid you much better. Maybe. Louis, why do you want to keep Laszlo here? Gestapo stank. You overestimate the influence of the Gestapo. In Casablanca, I'm the boss. I do not interfere with them, nor they. Cassell is a very noisy policeman. Mr. Laszlo, Mother the Lund, welcome to Rick. You welcomed us this afternoon at the airport, Captain. I welcome everyone everywhere. Oh, my profoundest apologies for the recent disturbance, most unfortunate. Yes, for the poor man who was killed. Horrible. Horrible, mademoiselle? But then may I ask, why did you remain? Oh, permit me, Major Strasser, Mademoiselle Lund, Monsieur Laszlo. We've heard of you, Major. The Major asked, why did you remain after the regrettable shooting? We were here to meet someone. He's not yet arrived. Ilza, I think perhaps we should leave now. It might be wiser, Monsieur. I do not think your friend will come. They just removed the body of Franz Ugarte to the mall. Franz Ugarte? Your friend. I'm sorry, Captain, but the name Franz Ugarte means absolutely nothing to me. Oh, come now, monsieur. We know that you... This is enough for tonight. Tomorrow at ten, monsieur Laszlo, in the captain's office. With mademoiselle. We are not under your authority, Major. This is French soil. Captain Renault, is it your order that we come to your office? Let us say it is my request. Very well. At ten o'clock in the morning. Good night. Sleep well, Major. Now, my friends, after all this unpleasantness and a little relaxation, sit down, please. Waiter. Yes, Captain. A bottle of the best champagne. Put it on my bill. Oh, now, please. Oh, they put it on my bill. I tear the bill up. It's just a little game we play. We, sh- <laughs> we shouldn't stay. We seem to be the only ones left. I'm afraid Ricky will be very cross with me, killing one customer and driving the others away. Oh, but that's no reason why you shouldn't be entertained. Sam. Even, Captain. Sing something nice for my guests, Sam. Sure, boss. Mademoiselle, I have been informed you were the most beautiful woman ever to visit Casablanca. That is a gross understatement. Thank you. You're very kind. 
captain. That man's singing. He's been staring at you for the past five minutes, Ilsa. I've seen him before somewhere. Oh, Sam? Oh, he came here from Paris with Rick. Rick? Who is he? <laughs> Mademoiselle, you are in Rick's. And Rick is, well... Is what? But he is the kind of a man that... Well, if I were a woman and I were not around, I would be in love with Rick. No offense, monsieur. If you, uh, if you both won't think me terribly rude, will you excuse me a moment? I want to talk to Sam. To Sam? Of course, my dear. Hurry back, mademoiselle. Hello, Sam. Hello, Miss Ilsa. Never expected to see you again. It's been a long time. Yes, miss. Where is he, Sam? Why, who, miss? Rick. I don't know. I ain't seen him all night. Will he be back? Uh, not tonight no more. He ain't coming. He went home. Does he always leave so early after a shooting? Oh, Sam. You used to be a much better liar. Leave him alone, Miss Ilsa. You're bad luck to him. Sam, play it once, for old time's sake. Uh, I don't know what you mean. Play it, Sam, as time goes by. I can't remember it, Miss Ilsa. Please. Sing it, Sam. Oh, Miss Ilsa. You must remember this. A kiss is still a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. And when two lovers will, they still say... Sam! I thought I told you never to play that. Now you've done it. Well, Rick, come here. I want you to meet some charming people. Well, hello, Elsa. Hello, Rick. Oh, you two know each other. Well, then you also know Monsieur Victor Laszlo? No. Oh. One hears a great deal about Rick in Casablanca. And about you everywhere. Won't you join us for a drink? This is the most interesting cafe, even without the gunplay. I congratulate you. And I congratulate you. What for? For your work. Thank you. I try. We all try. You succeed. Well, I can't get over you two knowing each other. I wasn't sure you were the same. Let's see. The last time we met, wasn't it in Paris? Well, that shouldn't be too hard to remember. It was the day the Germans marched in. The Germans wore gray. You wore blue. Ilza, I don't wish to be the one to say it, but... It is late. Yes, yeah, so it is. Carl, the bill. Forget it, Carl. It's my party. Well, it is. We're all in all a most unusual evening. We'll come again. Do that. Will you say goodnight to Sam for me? Sure. There's still nobody in the world who can sing as time goes by like Sam. He hasn't done it in a long time. Good night. Well, I'd like just one word with Rick, Monsieur Laszlo, and then if you wish, I'd be delighted to drive you to your hotel. Thank you. We'll wait outside. A very puzzling fellow, this Rick. Just what sort is he? I really can't say. I met him in Paris. We were once acquaintances. In just a few minutes, Richard DeMille presents Hedy Lamar, Alan Ladd, and John Loder in Act Two of Casablanca. And now, here are two young workers in a busy office getting ready to leave for the day. Sue, if you look in that mirror any harder, you'll break it. Why the anxious expression? No letter from Jim today? Yes, Jim wrote, and he may get a furlough next month. Say, Peggy. Yes, Sue? 
You know, everyone used to say what a swell complexion I had. Guess it was my best feature. But lately, it doesn't look like anything. Lost the old sparkle, eh? And now you're worrying because Jim's coming home. You've been working all hours lately. Been neglecting your beauty care, I'll bet. Well, it is easier not to bother sometimes, I'll admit. Yes, and it's practically fatal to take that attitude about your looks. Now, listen to your Aunt Peggy, Susie. She's got it prescribed for you. Every day without fail, an active lather facial. Active lather facial? With Lux Toilet Soap, the soap screen stars use. And believe me, it works. I know, because Lux Soap Care helped my skin to look lots nicer. Now, here's what you do. And this is the Lux Soap Beauty Facial Peggy told her friend to take. Cover your face generously with that nice, creamy lather. Work it in gently, but thoroughly, too. Now, rinse with warm water, splash with cold, and dry with a soft towel. Easy, isn't it? Just try that every single day from now on. And only a few weeks later, Sue said, Oh, Peggy, I owe you and Lux Soap a world of thanks. What a thrill it was to have Jim tell me. Sue, darling, you look lovely. Prettier than ever. Many a girl has found daily Lux Toilet Soap facials really make skin lovelier. Recent tests show that actually three out of four complexions improved with this care. Grew softer, smoother. Why not let this fine white soap give your skin protecting care it should have? Ask for Lux Toilet Soap tomorrow. And if you find your dealer is temporarily out of stock due to wartime conditions, he's sure to have more soon. Remember, Lux Toilet Soap, Hollywood's beauty soap, is worth waiting for. And now, Mr. DeMille returns to the microphone. Act two of Casablanca, starring Alan Ladd as Rick, Hedy Lamar as Ilsa, and John Loda as Victor, with Edgar Barrier as Renault. Hours later, and in Rick's cafe, a solitary lamp still burns. Rick sits at a table staring into an empty highball glass, and in the shadows, Sam fingers the keyboard quietly. Boss, ain't you going to bed? <laughs> Not right now. Well, ain't you planning on going to bed in the near future? No. Go on, keep playing with you. Okay. Boss, let's get out of here. There ain't nothing but trouble for you here. She's coming back. I know she's coming back. Well, we could take the car, you and me, and drive till morning. We go fishing somewhere and stay until she leaves. The guy they died and she walks in. One out, one in. Of all the joints and all the towns and all the world, she walks in a mine. Hey, what's such a plan? Oh, just a little something of my own. Now, stop it. You know what I want to hear? No, I don't. Now you played it for her, you can play it for me. Yes, boss. Boss, listen. What? You got company. Now it's coming on. Rick, may I talk to you? Uh, so long, boss. Miss Ilsa, you shouldn't have come. Want a drink? No. Why did you have to come to Casablanca? I wouldn't have come if I'd known you were here. Believe me, Rick, it's true. About your voice. Still the same. Rick, dear, I'll go any place with you. We'll get on a train together and we'll never stop. Don't, Rick. Please don't. I understand how you feel. How long did I know you, honey? Oh, I didn't count the days. I did. Every one of them. Mostly I remember the last one. Paris. <laughs> the wow finish. 
guy waiting at a station in the rain with a marriage license in his pocket and a, a funny look on his kisser because a, a sledgehammer just hit him between the eyes. Can I tell you a story, Rick? There's a go. I'll finish. I don't know the finish yet myself. Okay. Maybe one will come to you as you go along. It's about a girl who met a man she's heard about all her life. A great and courageous man. And soon, everything this girl knew or ever became was because of this man. She looked up to him and worshipped him with a feeling she thought was love. I've heard bare stories in my time. Tell me, was he the guy you left me for? Was it Laszlo? Or were there a few others in between? Rick. A lot of people ran away from Paris that day. I wonder if they all left notes. You left a note, didn't you? Sam brought it to me at the railroad station. I guess it was a love light in my eyes that helped him spot me and all that mob. Yes, I wrote you a note. I know it was cowardly, but I just couldn't face you. I cannot go with you or ever see you again. Remember? I must not ask why. You just believe that I love you and God bless you. It's a literal translation, Elson. I thought... I thought if I came here tonight and spoke to you, I could make you understand. I'm sorry, Rick. Don't give up, honey. I'm just a slow study. Call again sometime and give it another word. We have searched Ugarte's apartment again, Major. No luck. Someone else must have them. And I strongly suspect that someone is Rick. I suggest you continue the search in the cafe. If Rick has the letters of transit, he is much too smart to let you find them there. You give him too much credit. Just another blundering American. We must not underestimate American blundering, Major. I was with them when they blundered into Berlin in 1918. As to Laszlo, we want him watched. 24 hours a day. Yes, it's 10 o'clock, Major, and he and the girl are waiting now for us. Send him in. Send him in, Cassell. I do not think we're going to get very far with Laszlo this morning. Nevertheless, there's no loss in making him the obvious offer. Only a loss of time. Oh, good morning. I'm delighted to see you both. Laszlo, mademoiselle. Good morning. Good morning. Won't you sit down? Thank you. Laszlo, we will not mince words. Good. Let's begin by saying that I'm an escaped prisoner of the Third Reich, from whom no one ever escapes. I do not deny you are an exceptional man. Monsieur, you say Third Reich... As if you expect there will be others. I take what comes, Major. So far, yes. You have been fortunate enough to elude us. You have reached Casablanca. I intend to make certain you stay here. <laughs> Whether or not you succeed, Major, is of course problematic. Not quite. On all exit pieces issued here in Casablanca, Captain Renault's signature is necessary. Captain, would you think it possible that Laszlo will receive a visa? And I'm afraid not, Monsieur. Well, perhaps I'll like it here. And you, Mademoiselle? You, uh, you needn't be concerned about me. As a matter of fact, you could both be on your way to Lisbon this very night. But, of course, under certain conditions. Well, Major, what are your terms? As leader of the underground movement, you know who the other leaders are. In Paris, Athens, Prague, Amsterdam... And Berlin? Furnish me their names and exact whereabouts, and you will have your visa immediately. And the honor of serving the Third Reich. Major, what if he did give them to you? What if you did track them down and kill them? From every corner of Europe, hundreds, thousands would rise and take our places. Even Nazis can't kill that far. You make only one mistake. 
In the event anything unfortunate should occur to Monsieur Laszlo, no one could take his place. Thank you. You wouldn't dare interfere with him here. This is still unoccupied France. Any violation of neutrality will reflect on you, Captain. Monsieur, so far as it is in my power, that neutrality will be respected. Are you finished with us? For a moment, yes. Then, good day. Come, Ilza. Your next step to securing a visa is what, monsieur? I don't know. Well, let me save you some time. Sooner or later, the man to see will be Senor Ferrari. And he operates the Blue Parrot Cafe across the street from your hotel. Good day, mademoiselle. Hello, Ferrari. I saw the supply truck come in. I thought I'd stop by for the American cigarettes. But why yourself? My boy will bring them over. Every time he does, he orders a little bit short. Carrying charges, my boy. Carrying charges. I'm glad you're here, Rick. I want to talk to you. The news about Ugarte upset me very much. Now, look, you don't feel any sorry for Ugarte than I do. Of course not. What upsets me is that no one knows where those letters of transit are. Practically no one. If I could lay my hands on them, I could make a fortune. And so could I. And I'm a poor businessman. I have a proposition for whoever has those letters. I'll handle the entire transaction, get rid of the letters, and take all the risk for a small percentage. That's the proposition I have for whoever has those letters. Well, I'll tell him when he comes in. Rick, I think you know where they are. The Nautenstrasse thinks so, too. That's really why I came over here. To give them a good chance to tear my place apart. Excuse me, Senor. Yes? There's a man who wishes to see you. Monsieur Laszlo. I was rather expecting him. Send him in. Is he alone? There is a lady also. She said she would wait outside. But she will not wait alone, eh, hey, Rick? Well, suppose you just concentrate on Laszlo. Hey, Ferrari. <laughs> Send him in, Zaja. The back way. A little courtesy for Rick. Good morning. Hello, Rick. I'm sorry about last night. Doesn't matter. The story had me a little confused. Or maybe it was the bourbon. Forget it. You can repeat it now. I'm reasonably sober. I don't think I will. Why not? After all, I got stuck with a railway ticket. All right. Victor Maslow is my husband. Well, what do you know? And he was, even when I knew you in Paris. I don't believe it. There seems to be so much you don't believe. What about it? It happened almost a year before I met you. He loved me, and I thought I loved him. Soon after we were married, he had to leave France. And this time he has to leave Casablanca? Yes, he must. Oh, you have so changed, Rick. The Rick I knew in Paris, I could tell him, but not you. I'll be leaving Casablanca soon, and I hope we'll never meet again. If we leave it that way, maybe we'll remember those old days and forget last night. Well, I'm not leaving Casablanca. I'm settled now. Above the saloon. You walk up one flight of stairs. I'll expect you. It will take a miracle to get you out of Casablanca, Monsieur Laszlo. And the Germans have outlawed miracles. I got tired of waiting, Victor. Do you mind? You don't, Mademoiselle. Please. You see, as leader of all illegal activities in Casablanca, I am an influential and respected man. But I am helpless to do anything for Monsieur Laszlo. You, however, are a different matter. He thinks it might just be possible to get an exit visa for you. To go along? Yes. We are only interested in two visas, Signor. Please, Ilta. You must get to America. And believe me, somehow, sometime, I'll join you. What if things were different? What if I had to stay and there was only one visa? Would you take it? Yes, I would. Then why didn't you leave me in Lille? When I had trouble getting out of there, or in Marseille, when I was ill, and 
You were in desperate danger every second. Why didn't you leave me then, Victor? I meant to. But something always held me up. I, too, am a very sensitive man, monsieur. I know. I happen to love her very much. So, for the present, senor, we'll go on looking for two visas. Thank you. I am moved to make a suggestion. You are aware of Ugarty and the letters of Francis? Yes, slightly. I'll venture to guess that Ugarty left those letters in Rick's cafe. He is a difficult customer. But it is worth the chance. You've been very patient, senor. Good day. What's all this about? A near riot in your own cafe. You don't even bother to get up and see for yourself. I got other things on my mind. What happened? <laughs> Some German officers started to sing the watch on the Rhine. They wanted the customers to join in. Well, they did. Except what they sang sounded more like La Marseillaise. So with my usual tact, I handled the situation perfectly. Now, Rick. Hmm? My men gave this place a rather thorough going over this morning. Yeah, we just barely got it cleaned up in time to open. As I told my men to be especially destructive, you know how that impresses Germans. Where are the letters, Rick? You see, Captain, the situation is not as much under control as you believe. That song is verboten. How dare they sing it? Yeah, now, my dear Major, we cooperate with your government, but we cannot control the feelings of these refugees. Captain, are you entirely certain which side you are on? <laughs> oh, I blow with the wind, Major. And right now, the prevailing breeze is from Vichy. Hmm. Well, I have been thinking. It is too dangerous for us to let Larsen leave Casablanca, but it may also be too dangerous to let him stay. We know all of North Africa is honeycombed with traders just waiting for someone to leave them. Yes, it poses an intricate problem. There is one man who could solve it. Who? He just walked in. Victor Laszlo. I'm a very bright boy, Laszlo. I figured you came here to see me, and I figured you preferred seeing me in my office, alone. You do nothing but bewilder me. But you hope I may also be able to help you. You told me once you knew of my activities. Then you must know how important it is that I get out of here to help continue the work of a very great movement. The problems of the world are beyond me, Laszlo. I'm just a saloon keeper. My friends in the underground have told me differently. They mentioned Spain and Ethiopia and a strange tendency of yours to be always with the underdog. Well, I found it a very expensive hobby. But then I never was much of a businessman. Are you enough of a businessman to appreciate an offer of a hundred thousand francs? I appreciate it, but I don't accept it. Two hundred thousand? Make it a million francs or ten francs, the answer is still no. There must be some reason why you refuse to sell the letters. There is. I suggest you ask your wife. I beg your pardon? I said ask your wife. Where are you going? Oh, I thought I mentioned it. There's a meeting of the underground. Oh, please don't go, Victor. I'm frightened. Look. Look out the window. I don't have to, darling. I'm used to being trailed. What's going to happen, Victor? Who knows, Ilse, dear. Strasser now threatens to find some excuse to put me quietly away in jail. All the more reason why you must stay here tonight. I'm frightened too, Ilse, but what can I do? Hide in a hotel room or carry on the best I can? Whatever I'd say, you'd carry on. Victor... Why didn't you tell me about Rick? You saw him, didn't you? Apparently he has the letters. Yes? But no intention of selling them. You'd think that if sentiment wouldn't persuade him, that money would. <laughs> Did he give you any reason? He suggested that I ask you. Ask me? Ilza, when I was in the concentration camp, were you lonely in Paris? Yes, Victor, I was. I know what it is to be lonely. Is there anything you wish to tell me? No. 
My dear, I love you very much. Yes, I know. Uh, Victor, whatever I do, will you... Will you believe me that I... You don't even have to say it. I'll believe you. Good night, dear. Good night, Victor. Please be careful. We pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. In a few minutes, Mr. DeMille and our stars Alan Ladd, Hedy Lamar, and John Loder will return in Act Three of Casablanca. And now, here's our Hollywood reporter, Libby Collins. Greetings, Libby. What's new? Well, for one thing, Mr. Kennedy, my hat. What do you think of it? Your hat, Libby? Why, it's uh, nice. Very nice. Yes, I like it. Oh, come on now. Stop hedging. What do you really think of it? To tell the truth, Libby, I hardly noticed the hat. I was looking at you. Well, Mr. Kennedy, that's a compliment. But just let me turn around. Now look. Oh, I see. It's really quite a hat. Libby, that must be very new. It is, but well, how would you know? Well, it's so sort of simple. Not one of those dizzy numbers that looks as though it might fly off into space any minute. Mr. Kennedy, you're an observant man. This is the newest thing. The profile cloche. It fits snugly on the head, and it's meant to frame the face, not take attention away from it. I think I begin to see why you wore that little hat tonight, Libby. Of course. To show that it's more important than ever for a woman to have nice, smooth skin. Sure. Because with that kind of headgear, the emphasis is less on the hat than it is on the face underneath it. Well, Libby, I guess many a woman is going to be mighty happy about her Lux Soap complexion care, then. Yes, this hat seems designed to set off a lovely Lux complexion, and it's going to be a popular style this spring. Then daily Lux Soap complexion care ought to be more popular than ever, too. Because gentle Lux toilet soap really makes skin softer, smoother. Recent tests showed that Lux Soap Beauty Facials improved actually three out of four complexions, you know. Well, Mr. Kennedy, nearly every famous star in Hollywood is devoted to this fine white soap. Screen stars say the creamy Lux Soap lather is wonderfully kind to delicate skin. And that's why, Libby, I'm going to urge every woman in our audience who hasn't tried Lux Toilet Soap to get some of Hollywood Beauty Soap and use it every day. Here's a thrift tip, too. It's patriotic not to waste soap. And because Lux Soap is hard-milled, you can use it down to the last thin sliver. It'll last even longer if you always put it in a soap dish that's dry. Moisten the thin leftover piece and press against your new cake of Lux Toilet Soap. Now, our producer, Mr. DeMille. We'll report on the offstage doings of our stars after the play. But now here's the curtain for Act Three of Casablanca, starring Hedy Lamar, Alan Ladd, and John Loder with Edgar Barrier. For nearly an hour after Victor Laszlo left for the meeting of the underground, Ilsa sat motionless in the drab hotel room. Suddenly, her mind made up. She takes an object out of her husband's briefcase, walks through the dark, quiet night to Rick's Cafe, and up the outside stairs that lead to the second floor. I told you this morning you'd come around. But this is a little head of schedule. Rick, I had to see you. That's what you said last night. All this has nothing to do with the letters of transit, has it? Seems as long as I have those letters, I'll never be lonely. You can ask any price you want, but you must give them to me. I went through all that with your husband. It's no deal. I know how you feel about me, but uh, I'm asking you to put your feelings aside for something more important. Do I have to hear again what a great man your husband is, what an important cause he's fighting for? 
It was your cause, too. In your own way, you fought for the same thing. Well, I'm not fighting for anything anymore except myself. Rick, once you loved me, if those days mean anything at all to you... I would bring up Paris if I were you. It's poor salesmanship. Listen, listen to me, Rick. If you only knew the truth... I wouldn't believe you no matter what you told me. You'd say anything now to get what you want. You want to feel sorry for yourself, don't you? One woman has hurt you and you take your revenge on the rest of the world. Rick. Rick, please help us. If you don't, Victor will die in Casablanca. Well, I'm going to die in Casablanca, too. It's a good spot for it. All right. I tried. I tried to reason with you, Rick. Now I want those letters. A gun, Ilsa? Is that really a gun in your hand? Where are the letters? Right here in my pocket. Put them on the table. Uh-uh. For the last time, put them on the table. All right, go ahead and shoot, Ilsa. You'll be doing me a favor. I can't. You know I can't. I've done nothing but make a fool of myself. Oh, I don't know what to do, what to say. I thought I would never see you again. The day you left Paris, if you knew what I went through, if you knew how much I loved you, how much I still love you. All right, I'm crazy. I'm crazy, but I believe you. You win. Hilda, what happened? What was it? I've, I've imagined everything in the world and none of it very pretty. I've tried to tell you. A few months after Victor left France, word came that he was in a concentration camp. And then, not long after, another message that he was dead. Shot trying to escape. I had nothing. Not even hope. Then I met you. Why weren't you honest with me then? Why didn't you tell me you'd been married, that he was dead or something? Victor wanted it that way. It was his way of protecting me. I knew too much about his work. The Gestapo found out I was his wife. It would be dangerous for me and for those working with us. When did you find out he was still alive? Just before you and I were going to leave, his friends came. They were hiding him in a freight car on the outskirts of Paris. He was almost dead. Well, that's it, Rick. Still a story without an ending. What about now? Now? I don't know. Except that I'll never have the strength again to run away from you. And Laszlo? You'll help him, won't you? You'll see that he gets out. And then he'll have his work. All that he's been living for. All except you. Oh, I can't fight anymore. I don't know anymore what's right and what's wrong. You'll have to think for both of us. For all of us. Okay. Okay, I will. If only I didn't love you so. Oh, well, sorry. Wait a minute. What's the matter? Just with a door closed quiet. Hey, Sam. Is that you? Yeah, boss. What's the matter? That Mr. Laszlo, I found him crawling through our cellar window. Victor. Come up here. Does he know you're here? No. There was a meeting of the underground tonight. They must have been following him. One of those men. Strasser's men. So he picks my place to hide. That's fine. He got to my damn boss. He cut his hand breaking the wind and... Oh. Hello, Sam. Evening, Miss Ilsa. Sam, I want you to take Miss Lund to a hotel. What about Victor? He got his hand, didn't he? I don't like blood on my floor. I'll get down and patch him up. And Sam? Yeah, boss. Miss Lund will prefer going up the back stairs. I'm sorry about this, Rick. I've had a little trouble. I'll forget it. 
Well, I guess that ought to take care of your hand. Thanks. If it's all right with you, I'd like to stay here a few minutes longer. Yeah. Don't you sometimes wonder if it's worth all this, what you're fighting for? We might as well question why we breathe. If we stop breathing, we'll die. If we stop fighting our enemies, the world will die. What of it? You know how you sound, Rick. Like a man who's trying to convince himself of something he doesn't at all believe. Each of us has a destiny, for good or evil. Hmm. I get the point. I wonder if you do. I wonder if you know that you're trying to escape from yourself, and you'll never succeed. Uh, you seem to know all about it. I know a good deal more about you than you suspect. I know, for instance, that you're in love with a woman. It's perhaps a strange circumstance that we should both be in love with her. No one's to blame, and I ask no explanation. I ask only one thing. You won't give me the letters of transit? All right. But I want Ilza to be safe. I ask you as a favor to use the letters to take her away from Casablanca. You love her that much? Apparently you think of me only as the leader of a cause. Well, I'm also a human being. Yes, I love her that much. You should not leave your back doors unlocked, Monsieur. Yeah, that's right, Cassell. No telling who might break in. Monsieur Laszlo, you'll come with us. We have a warrant for your arrest. Ricky, I advise you not to be too interested in what happens to Laszlo. Oh, come on. Stop bluffing. All you can do is find him a few thousand francs. You might as well let him go now. Hey, what are you charging him with? I haven't quite decided. Meanwhile, if by any chance you were thinking of helping him to escape... And what makes you think I'd do that? Because, one, you bet 5,000 francs that he would, and two, you've got the letters of transit. Don't bother to deny it. All right, get ready for a shock, Louis. Yeah, I have the letters, but I intend to use them myself. I'm leaving Casablanca on the last plane tonight. What? And I'm taking a friend with me. One you'd appreciate. What friend? Bill Zalun. Hmm. And that ought to put your mind at rest about my wanting to help Laszlo escape. He's the last man I'd want to see get out of here. You didn't come here to tell me this. Since you have the letters, you know very well you can fill in your names and leave any time you wish. Yeah. We have a legal right to go, but people sometimes are held in Casablanca in spite of their legal rights. Laszlo, for instance. And what makes you think I'd want to hold you? Ilse's Laszlo's wife. She knows things with interest tremendously. Louis, I'll make a deal with you. Go on. If you would get something really big against Laszlo, something that would chuck him in a concentration camp for years, that would be quite a haul for you, wouldn't it? Yes. Germany, uh, Vichy would be very grateful. Mm-hmm. Then release Laszlo now. You'll be at my place half an hour before the plane leaves. I'll arrange to have Laszlo come there to pick up the letters of transit. That will give you criminal grounds to arrest him. You take him, and Ilse and I get away. There's something about this I don't quite understand. You were never before interested in any woman. Well, she just isn't any woman. I see. How do you know that I'll keep the, my end of the bargain? Or that you'll keep your end of the bargain? You've got Laszlo inside? Yes. Well, let me see him alone now. We'll make the arrangements. Open up your microphones, and you'll hear every word. You would anyway. Ricky. Ricky, I'm really going to miss you. Apparently, you're the only one in Casablanca who has even less scruples than I. Well, Rick, 40 minutes and you'll be on your way to Lisbon. Yep. Rick's Cafe. Oh, this place will never be the same without you. I sold it to Ferrari. Oh, don't worry. He understands you're still the winner roulette. Oh, thanks. You have the letters, Rick? Yeah, right here. Tell me, when we searched the place, where were they? I dropped them in Sam's piano. Serves me right for not being musical. Oh, here they are. You better wait in my office. Yes, a good idea. Hello, Elsa. 
Where's Laszlo? Oh, he'll be right in. He's just paying the driver. Rick. What? Haven't you told Victor yet uh, that he's going alone? He thinks I'm leaving with him. I'll tell him later. But uh, it's all right, isn't it? You were able to arrange everything. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But, Victor... We'll tell him at the airport. The less time to think, the easier for all of us. Just trust me. Yes. Yes. I don't know how to thank you, Rick. Save it. There's still lots of things to do. I brought the money. It's in this briefcase. Forget it. You'll need it in America. But we made a deal. Never mind that. Here, I got the letters here. They're made out in blank and signed by General Vagon. All you have to do is fill in the blanks. I'm sorry, Laszlo. You're under arrest again. Accessory to the murder of the couriers from whom those letters were stolen. Uh, you're surprised about my friend Ricky. Well, the explanation is simple. Love, it seems, has triumphed over virtue. Oh, now, take it easy, Louis. Nobody's going to be arrested. Not for a while yet. Have you taken leave of your senses? Yeah. Now, sit down. Oh, Ricky, Ricky, put down that gun. Now, look, I wouldn't like to shoot you, Louis, but I will if you don't behave. Oh. Under the circumstances, then, I will sit down. Yeah, keep your hands on the table. I'm very unhappy, Ricky. There's a telephone right next to you, Louie. Now pick it up and dial the airport. We don't want any trouble out there either. Remember, Louie, this gun is pointed right at your heart. Oh, that's my least vulnerable spot. Hello? Hello, hello? Is this the airport? What are you talking about? This is Major Strasser. Captain Reno, I want to speak to the operations manager. What? Oh, go ahead, Reno. Oh, monsieur. A man and a woman will arrive shortly at the airport. Huh? They will go aboard the Lisbon plane. They carry two letters of transit. Ah! There is to be absolutely no trouble made for them. Understand? I see there. Why do we? Thank you. Lisbon plane taking off in five minutes. This is the last call for passengers to please board the plane. Lisbon plane. Five minutes. You gotta hurry now, Laszlo. Take care of your luggage. We'll wait here. Here's a fountain pen, Louis. I think it might look nicer if you filled in the names on the letters. You think of everything, don't you? Yeah. And the names are Mr. and Mrs. Victor Laszlo. Rick, why my name? Because you're getting on the plane. I, I don't understand. What about you? Yes, what about you? I'm staying here. No. No, Rick. What's happened? Last night, you said... Last night, I said I do the thinking for the both of us. Well, I've done a lot of it since then. It all adds up to just one thing. You're getting on that plane with Laszlo. I won't leave you again, Rick. I won't. Listen to me. Do you have any idea what you would have to look forward to if you stay here? We'd both wind up in a concentration camp. I'm afraid Major Strasser might insist. You're saying this only to make me go. I'm saying it because it's true. Inside of us, we both know that you belong to Victor. And what happens to you? Well, I've got a job to do, Ilson. And where I'm going, you can't follow. I'm sounding noble now. I'm not very good at it. But it doesn't take much to see the problems of two little people. Well, they just don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Everything's in order. All except one thing. There's something you have to know before we leave. Please. You don't have to explain anything. But I'm going to, because it may make a difference to you later on. You know about Rick and me? Yes. But you didn't know I was with him last night at his place when you were there. No. She came to get the letters. She tried everything to get them and nothing worked. She did her best to convince me she was still in love with me. But that was over a long time ago. For your sake, she pretended it wasn't. Well, I let her pretend. I understand. Now, here are the letters. Good luck. 
Welcome back to the fight, Rick. Are you ready, darling? Yes, I am. Goodbye, Rick. God bless you. Come on, Dawn. You better hurry. You'll miss that plane. Well, there they go, Rick. <laughs> I was right. You are a sentimentalist. I don't know what you're talking about. You know I'll have to arrest you, of course. Yeah, as soon as the plane takes off, Louis. Let me know. Oh, I may still win my bet, Rick. know. What was the meaning of that phone call? Victor Laszlo is on that plane. Oh, stop him! Stop him! What are you standing here for? Because Monsieur Rick has a gun in my stomach. I was... I was willing to shoot Captain Renault. I'm willing to shoot you too, Major. Are you crazy? Guards! Guards! Don't call anyone, Major. I'll shoot. I'll stop it myself! Wait! Wait! The plane must not take off! The plane must... Someone has just shot Major Strasser. Oh. Oh! Call upon Lieutenant Cassell immediately. And tell him to round up the usual suspects. Yes, Captain. Ricky, it might be a good idea for you to disappear from Casablanca for a while. As a free French garrison at Brazzaville, I could be induced to arrange your passage. Hey, look, you still owe me 5,000 francs. 5,000 francs should just about pay our expenses. Our expenses? Mm-hmm. Oh, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. In private life, Hedy Lamar is Mrs. John Loden. And so as we present our stars for a curtain call, I'll introduce them as Alan Ladd and... <clears throat> Mr. and Mrs. John Loder, although they've been married almost a year, it's our first chance to congratulate them. Thank you, Mr. DeMille. You know, he beats me. What do you take mean? Off Come on, coat, take off Mr. your coat, Mr. At uh, Gin Romney. You just saved me. <laughs> we want your expert opinion on something, Mr. DeMille. For you, Hedy, anything. When a husband and wife are in one of your plays, do you recommend a little extra rehearsing at home? No, definitely, John. Offhand, I, I can't think of anything more pleasant than uh, going over a love scene with uh, Eddie. If Mrs. DeMille is listening, he's only kidding. Uh, we better drop this. Well, I'll change the subject, CB. Because there's something I want to say to Humphrey Bogart's fans. It was a privilege for me to play a part that he made famous, but well, really, nobody could play it like Bogey. And I'd like to wish him... And I'd like to wish him all the luck in the world over there in the Mediterranean area where he's entertaining American soldiers. Now, luck and a safe return. I suppose Alan has shown you the photographs of his new daughter, Hetty. Why, no. Well, how'd I miss you? It seems I just have a dozen or so around <laughs> Pure accident, pure accident. But uh, her beauty reminds me of something that I must ask John as man to man. Straight answer? Yes, John. I want to know if Hetty sees that, uh, that you get the right kind of... Uh, at home. Why, Mr. DeMille? Uh, I'll answer that, Mr. DeMille, but I'm a little hurt you even ask. I have Lux soap in my dressing room at the studio, and naturally at home, too. I've used it for years. And lucky Lux to be on such good terms with you, Hetty. Now let me tell you what we've planned for next week. What's the show, CB? One of the big dramatic prizes of the past year. The Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer hit, Random Harvest. And that isn't all, because our stars will be Ronald Coleman and Greer Garson. They're the original stars of the picture. And next Monday night, we present them both in this powerful story, 
of a soldier and the girl who loves him. A great drama made even greater by the artistry of Greer Garson and Ronald Coleman. It's a wonderful picture, Mr. DeMille. I'll be listening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. All right, folks, that was it. That applause goes from coast to coast. We're going to play a little more music, and we'll be right back on MutinyRadio.fm. This is G-Mac and Wustein. Thank you.
That's one of my favorites over there. That's William on a Bayor. He's uh, out of Africa, kind of obviously. And um, had a couple things I wanted to tell you about uh, the cast of that radio program. The lady was Hedley Lamar, and uh, she's probably more famous now uh, for her constant name checks and um, the the name of. Uh, one of the main characters in Blazing Saddles, where he, his name is Hedy Lamar, or Hedley Lamar, but they, but they keep calling him Hedy Lamar. And uh, she's actually a super famous uh, actress from the 30s and 40s, uh, especially the movie Samson and Delilah that she made in 49. Really fun, really cool. She was billed as like uh, the world's most beautiful woman when she uh, premiered, and they said people... Uh, actually gasped their breath when they seen her for the first time, which is pretty interesting. But uh, one of the things she's kind of less known for, but um, kind of, I think they've done shows on Discovery and stuff about her, um, let's say in the last 10 years or something, but she was actually an inventor. Um, she's from Europe. Um, she married an arms dealer in her younger days before she really got into films and stuff. And, and um, she was... Uh, kind of infamous for having a, a semi well very famous at the time at least in Europe nude scene in a movie called Ecstasy where she swam nude and there was just some very quick nude scenes but um, as I was saying one of her side projects was as well, it's side projects I guess whatever like one of her favorite fav, 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 favorite things was to invent stuff she was a tinkerer and she was self-taught uh, she had no formal training and, um, like, uh, she improved the, the traffic stoplights. She went and, uh, she made a tablet that could, uh, turn a drink into carbonated beverage, even though later, I guess she said it tasted like Alka-Seltzer. And, um, she also went out with Howard Hughes for a while and she helped her, uh, him, uh, kind of, well, make planes more aerodynamic in uh before world war ii or actually during the war um she learned that their um that the submarines torpedoes could get jammed easily and go off of course and uh what she did uh with this guy george anthony or i think i'm saying that right is um to block that to make a like a a signal free kind of uh well they they hooked up like a little p uh player piano mechanism with radio signals and it was able to like unjam the uh the missiles as they came out of the torpedoes and stuff but they didn't even use it in world war ii because it was too uh high tech or too kind of cumbersome or something to actually use during the war so it ended up uh being used in like uh like 1962 and stuff like that. Um, though she does have a patent under a real name, <clears throat> Hetty uh, Keisler Markey. But um, interestingly, more, more interesting, at least to me, is that an updated version uh, that one in 62 shows up. And it's one of the most important elements behind uh, like spectrum communication today, like Wi Fi networks and Bluetooth. So I thought that was pretty interesting about her. Um, she's very cool. One of the um, one of the lost ladies of Hollywood, sort of. She's very, very pretty. She's very, very cool. And um, like I said before, the Lux Radio Theater is one of the few places that actually 
played any of her uh, or any kind of version of Casablanca. In fact, like I said before, it's actually called uh, Everybody Comes to Rick's. But um, and that's only been performed twice, <clears throat> as far as I know, um, like uh, slightly like I think in 1940, I'll say five or something and or maybe even 49 and then like once in 1997 and strangely that's the only versions i've been able to find that um were out there so anyway that's just a little um a little uh, uh i don't know what you call it trivia sure let's, let's go with trivia george all right also so that's the lux radio theater that we heard that's like kind of that was uh that was on all the networks at the time and one of the funny things that i find about um these old um radio shows well one i love that they're public domain so anybody can play them and then i also love that um (laughs) people like nowadays that do podcasts and stuff um they'll call them like ear movies and stuff (laughs) and it's so it's just radio theater that's all it is (laughs) you know like it was on nbc and like the from like the first year and then it went to cbs for its most famous run from like the 30s to the 50s and then like nbc in its last year again and um like i said that they adapted the broadway plays so <clears throat> as you can kind of hear if uh, you've seen the movie they certainly cut out all the um you know the flashbacks to paris you can kind of see where they padded out stuff and uh, kind of move stuff around. But a lot of the lines are straight. Uh, they go straight from uh, the movie to the radio and the stage, which is pretty interesting. And um, like, uh, time goes by is in the that was in the original play. That's back in the um, Lux Radio Theater version. And um, it's really great. It's really good stuff. Uh, Let's see here. Um, yeah. Cecil B. DeMille is host. Pretty wild, huh? Like, <laughs> I love his interstitial, the interstitials. You can tell he just taped all three of them, like, at one time and, like, did the wraparounds, right? At, either right at the beginning or right at the end. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, really fun thing about live radio. You know, you get all the audience laughter and stuff like that in the background because they would actually have these things in a theater. Like, people would show up and, um, and watch these uh, celebrities just kind of on stage. You know, I guess it's kind of like now, you know, where um, you go to L.A. and you can see people do live readings of uh, unproduced productions or, um, you know, pilots and stuff like that that uh, haven't seen the light of day. Except uh, Lux at the time was basically taking all Broadway stuff and shoving it onto the radio um, Cecil B. DeMille to me sound, couldn't sound more disinterested in those interstitials. It's just like, and now back to <laughs> Act Two of Casablanca on the Rux, Lux Radio Theater. You know, it's as if like if they could easily just substitute in Casablanca instead of whatever like other play. You know, now back to the Ten Commandments on the Lux Radio Theater would be pretty cool. Uh, let's see here. All right. Uh, ba, ba, ba. Oh, yeah. They um they got paid pretty damn well, those uh, theater stars. They made like five Gs in appearance, which in 1936 is crazy money. Um, it eventually turned on to the radio. Um, or pff, turned on to the radio. Jesus. Turned on to the television later. And uh, that's pretty cool, too. Um, 
there are you know there are other competitors at the time. One of them was the uh, the Mystery Radio Theater, uh, which um, uh, I'm gonna screw this up, so I'm not even gonna bother finishing that sentence. Let's see. Um, yeah, 1950, uh, it turned into the Lux Video Theater, and uh, that's pretty cool. Let's see what else. A lot of a lot of famous people came out of this thing, and oh, there's that's what it was. The Mercury Theater. That was like their other kind of, in my opinion, major competition. Like as far as quality is concerned, because that was the Orson Welles uh, radio company, who to this day is still famous for the War of the Worlds broadcast, in which. You know, a lot of a lot of people, you know, it's kind of understandable thought that um, aliens were coming down, even though the broadcast is like forwarded and like in the middle, it's kind of breaks down. It's just like, hey, folks, this is just a show. And at the end, it's like, hey, guys, it's just a show. It turned into like a cause celeb and um, and really, really made Orson Welles's name, who was at that time primarily known as like a Broadway um, Broadway instigator, what do they call him now? Like disruptor, I think old goofy name, but because he really, um, he really embraced the art as magic and, um, would do things like employ, like, uh, cause he worked for like, uh, the, the WPA and stuff like that for, uh, the works, uh, project, you know, get all the Americans working and stuff after the depression and like, he he did like Othello on the stage. He did just a whole slew of really great, um, uh, just really great uh, theatrical things that, unfortunately, nowadays uh, they only survive in photographs and like an occasional um, radio type thing, which is actually pretty interesting. Um, the other ones that were big at the time, I guess, would be like the Ford Theater, uh, General Electric Theater. That was kind of big. The Hollywood Hotel was pretty big. Stars over Hollywood's all right. Um, there's just a whole slew of them. I kind of got into these things because my mother used to, um, uh, <laughs> my mother's a little older and she used to like, um, the old radio shows. They would still play them when she was a kid. So she would end up knowing like, um, The Shadow, uh, oh, what was the one she loved? Like, uh, The Outer Limits. Uh, no, not The Outer, maybe, but, um, God damn. Anyway. She loved all that stuff, and it kind of rubbed off on me because I wanted to hear what she was talking about. Because <laughs> she would go, "The shadow knows." I'm like, well, "I don't even know what you're talking about," but it's well worth it. And they're all kind of well uh, worth listening to, and like re and um <clears throat> to go back and listen to, because there is such a wealth of stuff out there that it's honestly ridiculous that uh, people don't have. Yeah, you know, well, they certainly have access, but they they uh I guess they just don't have the inclination to go and uh check that stuff out, but. I really would uh, recommend if you do have the time to take a look at, especially at the Internet Archive and um, see some of the stuff they have down there because it's uh, really interesting because uh, you'd be surprised how much I'm, I'm all I'm a big fan of free fun. So um, it's all free. It's all been like archived, obviously, and uploaded from just people who are really into that stuff and like you, you'll you'll find some uh, really amazing things on there. Anyway, we're uh this is Muni Radio FM. This is G Mac and Miss and Woodstein who's out on assignment. We're gonna go back to a little more music and we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
one more time into the juice. Uh, another co-star on that was uh, the lead actor playing Rick this time was Alan Ladd. And uh, <laughs> Alan had kind of a wild life. Um, I was reading about grief exploitation this morning, and um, that's a weird thing. And it made me think of Alan Ladd because Alan Ladd, like in 62, you know, he's kind of bummed out. He can't sleep well. He has insomnia. And, like, he shoots himself in the chest <laughs> and, like, fell in a pool. A lot like, um, uh, oh, what's that great movie? Oh, uh, Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> and uh, But he didn't die. And, like, a year later, uh, he ended up actually dying uh, 64 from ODing on pills and and booze. So, you know, that's a sad guy. I could almost see like an advertiser coming on after that and being like, you know, cutting doing a hard cut and then doing like um hey, you know, for loco, we'll make you kill yourself. Boom, you know, and then it just keeps going. Anyway, this is mutinyradio.fm. This is uh G uh G Money from G Money and Woostein. My man Woostein is out on assignment right now. I hope he's doing all right out there. And, um, yeah, that's weird. Like, because what, Nationwide did the one where the kid during the Super Bowl, like, I'll never learn to ride a bike. <laughs> like, I'll never get married because I died in an accident. And then it shows, like, a, a what, what's the thing? Um, a bathtub overflowing. <laughs> and, um, and, hey, look, <laughs> make safe happen. I don't know exactly how Nationwide exactly makes safe happen. I know that they pay you out after somebody dies. I know that that's a thing. <laughs> but I'm not quite sure exactly how they make safe happen. Because uh, let's see, what do we have? We had McDonald's last week uh, with the kids. Uh, you know, the kids sad. You know, I'm assuming because somebody died. Like, mom's dead. And dad goes, buys them like a fish sandwich. And now the kid's a little better. Like, all right. It's, it, I, I can't be the only one who thinks that's a little macabre. Even for me, right? Like, I like dark stuff. I like weird stuff. But the idea that you're like, selling mcdonald's to sell fish is mcdonald's can't be doing that bad right the one around my corner closed but i think that's because they got sick of the psychos in there all day just running around and never leaving but because the place was making money hand over fist it, it was like 16th and mission mcdonald's you don't you can't go out of business it's like impossible it's like it would be like having a bar there if there was a bar on the corner of 16th and Mission, that place would never go out of business because it's on the corner of 16th and Mission. But this place, it, like, they just said, screw this and just shuttered it. I've never seen a McDonald's just shutter itself except for one other occasion. And that's like the one that was behind um, the, I think it's the, the state federal building, one of those fucking buildings. I think it's the state building. It's like the big, ugly, looks like just a big kind of rectangular steel cube downtown. And um, they shut that one down for remodeling. But I, I like I get that. But I think the other part was, we're sick of all these goddamn homeless people in here just all day. Well, where the fuck are they supposed to go when it rains? Right? Nothing sucks worse than having to live outside and then having nowhere to go. And then it's raining all night or and all day. Because that's one thing about San Francisco. It hardly ever rains, but when it does rain, <laughs> they do the all-day affair. So, that's pretty cool. 
Um, oh, weird thing. When Alan Land died, this is what I miss kind of about old movie stars. He had like 5,000 acres at Hidden Valley and a hardware store in Palm Springs. Boom! I love it. I'd love to shop at the uh, like the Brad Pitt's hardware store. <laughs> you know, that'd be cool. I could go for that, you know. <laughs> ben Affleck has like a, a B&B somewhere. You know, who knows? It'd be fun. But, um... Oh, the best part! I love um, the PR stuff about the uh, their faux apologies, <laughs> um, especially McDonald's. They did this one. We respect our customers. No, you don't, and their money very much. And regret implying that a, f- a fried fish fillet could replace a father's love, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it, that's weird. <laughs> you know, like. Don't even bother. Just pull the ad and just play the other 95 I'm sure you have shot for this same fucking fish sandwich. Like, how hard is it to make an ad for a fish sandwich that people would buy? Like, they they know they're on the menu. It's not like people don't know you can get a filet o fish at McDonald's, but... You know, I don't even know why they need it. Like advertising, there should be like, if if like certain restaurants and and things get so big that you don't need commercials anymore. You know, does McDonald's and Burger King really need ads? Like we see them on the side of your buildings and shit. Like we get it, we get it, Burger King, but or I get it. You know, just browbeating you with bullshit. Let's see. Oh yeah, when Prince died last year, Cheetos tweeted "Rest in peace" on a purple background. Why? <laughs> Anybody explain that? That would be nice. Like, uh, you know, uh, let's see. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. Let's see. We got uh, home base. <laughs> they didn't even bother to look as if they gave a shit about Prince. They just put, uh, good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. If you need our assistance, we're here until 8 p.m. today. Get tweeting. Have a good day. Hashtag RP, RIP Prince. What? What? (laughs) That shit makes so little sense. It doesn't even make sense to make sense. Like, why would you leave the hashtag out, folks? Like, why was that like just a yeah? One love, Prince. It's crazy. I'd like to see. Yeah, I'd like to go to like Prince's like uh, bustier shop or some shit. That'd be fun. Or or if Prince had a hardware store in Minneapolis, that would be the shit. I totally go to that fucking thing. I would be so down. Oh, let's see. Oh, yeah, AT&T. They did the one with the Twin Towers in 2013. <laughs> it was like, why? Why? Oh, and then they, they did it in Boston. In honor of Boston, may we suggest whole grain cranberry scones? Thanks, Epicurious. It doesn't make any sense. You know, it'd be nice. Oh, that's why. Okay, because Facebook told advertisers they can identify when teenagers are feeling stressed, defeated, overwhelmed, anxious, and useless. Another reason I don't fuss with Facebook that much. But, um, you know, it it explicitly furnished advertisers with advice on how to best exploit, sorry, I mean help, people dealing with the grief of a breakup. That's crazy. That's the, that's the last thing I want anybody, like, especially a company ever doing to somebody. Like, it's bad enough, like, well, you know, uh, PR was originally, like, you know, for companies to just, it, it was like, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? God, my brain and my mouth just does not want to see no word today. But um, 
propaganda. Yeah, it's basically like a propaganda department where you just send out missives that's like, no, no, this is public relations. This is, look, folks, you know, we are doing our best and trying our hardest to make you happy. You know, sometimes that's not the best thing. <laughs> sometimes the best thing is just to, like, be responsible and not be a fucking dildo. Like, PR mechanics in, like, social studies mechanics and all that stuff and, like, brain chemistry and all that shit is really, it's, it, once again, it's like a, like the hammer argument, right? You can use a hammer for good shit and use a hammer for bad shit, right? And it's just so creepy to me, like, when these jerks just feel the need to, like, oh, well, because it's just about cash and it's just so gross. It's the whole idea of winning and all that bullshit. I just don't get it sometimes. Like, so the guy with the 5,000 acre ranch and the, uh, <laughs> and the hardware store storm pump springs, did he win? Is he winning? Is that, is that, yay! Did he, all I know is he died like in his own vomit because he fucking, you know, OD'd on pills and booze. Kind of a bummer, you know? And he died at 3.30 p.m. <laughs> that sucks. You said that's like the middle of the day. Like you got all day, you know? But, uh, you know, they say the side effects of those pills are fucked up, right? Like Chris Cornell. Why would you hang... If all the gin joints in all the world, why would you hang yourself in Detroit? That doesn't make any sense. Like, oh my God. I've, my my little uh, Google feed, don't be evil, is like um, just so filled with like Chris Cornell brought heart together. That's so fun. Oh, okay. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? Like, oh, I get it. Nothing. And like, um, who else? Oh, when, uh, uh, what's it? Hernandez died. He had the weirdest one, right? He did like the whole, he went like biblical. Like he, he like cut his finger and like underlined shit in the Bible. Like, oh, he was a John 316 nut. He went rainbow man on you and like just underlined all these passages, wrote shit on the wall in blood, you know, and then like hung himself like with a bed sheet in his cell, like with like he put like red dots on his feet and shit like he was being um, crucified. Weird, right? Weird. <laughs> That's the shit I don't like. So yeah, I don't know what these advertisers doing. <laughs> I don't even like that word exploitation, but you know you got to call it something eventually. And they went with exploitation. And you know, just sad. Oh, a couple of cool things. Just as far as I'm going, um, my friend came in from China, uh, like Thursday, and we were hanging out. Uh, basically during the week and stuff and that was really fun i haven't seen him in about three and a half years and um it was cool we did like a really kind of chill i never really chill out in the city and just hang out like like in parks and just bullshit and just do stuff like that that was kind of nice because like i said i don't do it that often and it was fun doing it with an old friend he makes really great documentaries and i believe is teaching uh, English as a second language in Shanghai. He has a really cool apartment that is about my size with a better view. Anyway, let's get back to some music and uh, I'll find some more fun facts about the radio show on mutinyradio.fm. <laughs>
think we're gonna blast one more music before we go. But before we do, I'm gonna just read a couple of little uh, <laughs> off my favorite website actually called Net. Uh, God, I can't get words out. <laughs> Let's see. Um, it's called Naked Capitalism, and um, it just always has a really great set of links and uh, stuff to check out. Uh, what's going on in your world? Um, like the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Only Heart Club Band, 50 years on. That's going on today. Oh, by the way, before I forget, uh, this is, of course, MediaRadio.fm, but it is also Malcolm X Day, and they're having a community uh, celebration uh, down on 3rd and Palau today from 2 to 6. It's got the Poe Poets of Poor Magazine. It's got Raz uh, Ceylon, Aliyah Sharif, Opium Saba, Talia Monet, Fly Benzo, and guest speakers. It's in the Kenneth Harding Plaza. That's 3rd and Palau in San Francisco. If you get a chance, I recommend you go down there and, uh, and uh, support your community and, uh, and celebrate Malcolm X Day. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Now back to some of those really weird links. <laughs> They're really fun. Like, Kayla's everywhere. How food trends are born. Is my password secure? NIST advises against periodically changing passwords. Uh, let's see. Oh, the dry season is coming. Indonesia uh, readies to fight forest fires. Uh, Singapore takes on haze. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rouhani's victory is good news for Iran, but bad news for Trump and his Sunni allies. That's a bummer. That's a really good Robert Fisk article you might want to check out. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. That's weird. <laughs> the U.S. and Saudi Arabia signed an arms deal worth almost $110 billion. So, because <laughs> the Secretary of State says the arms agreements will help Saudi Arabia deal with malign Iranian influence. Now, let's not forget, Saudi Arabia is the country that <laughs> did do the whole September 11th thing. So, kind of weird. We just handed them another $110 billion. Ugh, Saudi Arabia's King Salman knows flattery is the king to Donald Trump's heart. Oof. Yikes. <laughs> oh, God. And this should be great. The New York Review of Books has a great article called In the Horoscope of Aleppo. Oof. Let's see, what else? Oh, in Sacramento B, we got Nurses Heckle, uh, Democratic leader, threatened legislators over health care. Oh, yeah, poor bastard in The Guardian. This guy from San Francisco jailed for Facebook posts how the U.S. police target critics with arrest and prosecution. Yikes. Uh, let's see what else we got going on in the world. Oh, yeah. Davis warns Britain will quit talks if you if EU demands a hundred billion dollars. <laughs> you know what's gonna happen? They're gonna get that hundred billion dollars. You can believe that shit. <laughs> it's such a clusterfuck out there. Like the idea that people let the I mean, yeah, I mean through like disinformation bullshit for like, I don't know, let's say the last thirty five years, they've been just pushing the idea of like neoliberalism, which is a terrible phrase. It's just fucking rampant capitalism you know it's just no regulation capitalism that's all it is and it's just oh and it's also you know the banks in the market is really the the fucking barometer for how your society's doing which couldn't be more wrong but um <laughs> but they've like captured so many like government positions <laughs> and like they've um basically situated themselves in such positions of power that like you know if you have a like a trillion dollar company or whatever you're like your gdp is fucking so much higher than like 
small countries, <laughs> some large states, <laughs> that it's just ridiculous that the to hand over this much power for no particular reason. Oh, I remember for winning. Once again, ask Alan Ladd about winning, but I it's shocking to me. Shocking. <laughs> And then, uh, let's see, the U.K. needs more immigrants to avoid Brexit catastrophe. No shit. What's the name? Uh, Brexit and, oh, yeah, I started reading this this morning. Brexit and the f coming food crisis. If you can't feed a country, you haven't got a country. It's going to be so fucked. And this is like, it's it's not as if these things weren't predictive. That's what always surprises me about the, like, television news when you watch it. They always, like, act like whatever news story is presented in front of them, they're shocked and surprised that this turn of events could have possibly happened on Earth when literally the day before they had the exact same story about some other son of a bitch. You know, you're like, ah, okay, I, I think I get it. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Cause, like, you can't always be surprised that like leaders sell you out for fucking pennies on the dollar, right? Is that is that is that shocking to anybody? Oh no, they actually don't give a fuck about you. They care about lining their pockets because they want to win this life, whatever that means. Let's see. Um, Donald Trump's extravagant trip to Saudi Arabia is a desperately needed distraction from his crisis at home. No shit. <laughs> Trump ally Roger Stone blasts President's Saudi meeting. Stone tweeted, "Kenley, this made me want to puke." Now, when you've lost Roger Stone. <laughs> you've lost a lot of like when all the maniacs are against you but you know what people these morons keep talking about hey man this guy should uh uh what we should impeach him i don't uh, personally <laughs> it, it, i guess these are the people this is like the brand new news people right they've never actually bothered to look up the fucking guy's like pedigree and what he stands for He's like all the bad shit that he does, like all the bad shit that, um, you know, Trump does just writ larger, you know, right? He might not accidentally knock us into World War Three, but I wouldn't put him past it because he's a big revelations type of guy. He's a guy that like doesn't like go out if there's like drinks in like another woman's air and his wife isn't there he's a fucking psycho like all these people are psychos like scott pruitt rolling back the epa boon to oil and gas it's as if the world is like is divided into people who read and people who don't <laughs> watergate we're not there yet thanks new york time the gray lady god at least they didn't jump on this impeachment bandwagon i look First off, I don't think there's the shit to prove it, first off. And secondly, if, if you're going to get the guy to go down, believe me, he's got way worse shit up his sleeve, but just probably all like legal now since we've been empowering the executive and diminishing everybody else. Anyway, uh, blah, blah, Russia bullshit. Oh, this is weird. At the Pentagon, overpriced fuel sparks allegations and denials of a slush fund. Imagine that. This is brutal. All right. Um, the uh, the prime minister or whatever of uh, London, whatever the fuck, I can't remember, uh, Theresa May, she has a plan to end free school lunches. It's only going to hit about 900,000 struggling families. And remember, the, it's, you're, uh, the UK is not that fucking big. So, 
that's a hell of a lot of people over there. Um, don't forget this weekend, uh, 10,000 AT&T workers are on strike. This is just the worst shit ever, but totally expectable because um, one of the few really good things that Barack Obama did when he was in office was keep payday loan businesses and banks separate. They're like, okay, this is a line you should not cross. Well, they're back at it, and banks want a piece of the payday loan pie as if they're not making enough money as is. (laughs) And... um. Let's see. Yeah, of course, Yale grad students hunger strike can't turn the tide for labor. You'd actually need to have real things on the ground doing stuff. And uh, tips and states, tips for states and cities trying to raise workers' wages. And there's a pretty picture of two owls, and owls are creepy looking. So there you go. Anything that can spin its head all the way around is an exorcist demon. <laughs> That's a fun movie, by the way. The Exorcist, um, William, P- what's it, William Peter Blatty? Yeah, he's got a movie out there that's bananas. But um, if you like Stacy Keach, who, who doesn't? Like he is one of he, uh, underrated. Stacy Keach, amazing actor. But um, he's in a really cool movie called The Traveling Executioner. And um, that that's not the movie I actually wanted to talk about, but it's a really interesting movie. It's a kind of a kind of a biopic about um, this dude who used to travel the um, travel the country with like his own electric chair <laughs> and would um, would uh, would be out there just, you know, frying people up hey the judge said let's go let's go and he just sit in his fucking chair and it's all done he also played judge roy bean who was actually a subject of a dollop that was out of i think uh, about a month ago if that long but his really wild movie with P- uh, peter blatty is um the ninth configuration <laughs> that movie is bananas crazy but it's really good the fucking cast is it's insane like it came out in 1980 a really great year i might add but um like the uh the young priest from the exorcist is also in it because uh those two were kind of peas in a pod uh jason miller ed flanders is in it moses gunn is in it uh robert loja is in it joe spinell is in it one of the best tom atkins is in it just brutal scott wilson neville brand George, oh, George DiCenzo. Um, he's really cool. You might remember him from the uh, Back to the Future flick. He's uh, kind of the bald, he's kind of, yeah, he's balding. He's not the uh, the principal, but he he, uh, he plays kind of a hard ass in it, and he's um, he's really good. He died in 2010. But, um, yeah, just a really wild movie. In fact, uh, kind of old school movie buffs might uh, recognize uh, one of the more famous pictures or stills from the movie is um, an astronaut on the moon and in the background w- w- well shown well stated is uh, the crucifixion and uh, if you look really close that's Stacy Keach up there and um, it's really good so the ninth configuration it was also a book uh, called uh, Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane and um published in 76 the novel ninth configuration he redid in 78 and the movie came out in 80 
which he directed and wrote and produced and fucking everything else. So, if you get a chance, you like to sit down and watch a weird flick, you can check that out. And, um, let's see here. Before we go, I just want to remind everybody, this is MutinyRadio.fm. And uh, we're going to drop the CD one more time. And here we go.
episode, I think we should we should invite your mom back sometime. Uh, <laughs> or not. Or not. No, I mean, uh, my mom's hard to hard to read. Uh, for years, I thought she ate the crispy bacon at breakfast because she was just sacrificing herself for us <laughs> and eating the bacon that no one else wanted. Turns out she actually liked it. And I was like, Mom, I made you out to be more a savior than you were. <laughs> Uh, I mentioned it to her and she was like, I'll do what you want. And I was like, ma, no, I like, I don't want you to do it. If you don't want to do it, I want you to tell me if you actually want to. And she's like, I'll do whatever. I'm like no. <laughs> yeah. But then she, yeah, she's like agreeable. And she's like, I'll do whatever. I'll do it if you want to do it. And then she goes, as long as it's not, you know, like hack. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks ma. She's like, you know, the mom thing's a bit done. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, no, that's. Uh, <laughs> you know m- what? The, uh, the indecisive thing is tricky because like yesterday I was going out with someone and they were like, where do you want to go? Uh-oh. And a part of me wanted to be like, wherever you want to go. And, uh-uh. I was, and out loud, I was like, no, I guess I got to pull my weight here. Yeah. And then I pulled, <laughs> I pulled out and she thought that was really funny. <laughs> do you want to be agreeable? But like. You don't want to be there for 10, 15 minutes. Be like, I don't know. What do you? No, you know, hang what up. Do you want to do? No, you, do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? Fuck that. Just start naming places and saying yes or no. Yeah. Uh, has your mom listened to the episode? Uh, yeah, she thought it was really funny, which is great. And she was like, "You, you guys, you guys are doing great things." And I was like, "Oh, thanks." I mean, it's we're really just shooting the shit, but I appreciate it. She was very sweet. Um, Does she, she listen to every episode? I don't think so. She's listened to um, like a handful. She doesn't listen to every single one. I think uh, between her and my friend Sabrina, we have one listener per episode at least. (laughs) (laughs) But she loved hanging out with you and talking to you. She thought you were great. Which is not, uh, you know. But anyway, so she listens. Sabrina listens. And uh, and other people listen. No one I know listens. Really? (laughs) Nobody I know. My uh, best friend from home got mad at me because she didn't know I was doing a podcast. (laughs) And I was like, it's because you haven't called me in three weeks, (laughs) except I've been doing it for like six months. (laughs) 